When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, Season 2, Episode 29, How Not to End Your Book. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. Dan? Ace Tech and End. (laughs) (laughs) That's how not to end the tagline. Great, I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. (laughs) And we've told that joke Uh, twice. Okay, Um, let's give some context for this podcast because... um, I was teaching my class a little while ago, and someone actually asked me this question. They said, how do I not end my book? And I'm like, ah, ah. So now I want to take another wow. stab at it no, and try and talk through. Um, endings are one of the things I get the most questions about. Let's tackle this. What are bad endings, bad habits people fall into for endings? Dan. Um, not going far enough. Okay. If you've got a compelling idea and you don't take it as far as the reader wants you to, uh, then you've failed. If you ideally, you need to take it even farther. Okay, let's talk about that. What do you mean? De- define that better. What, oh, that flies no. in the face of leave them wanting more. Yeah. So, well, I think you, fly you can, in my face. You can leave them wanting more by expanding by, their yes, expectations. By, by you, you take yeah. an idea. Um, the the one that leaps immediately to mind because I watched an episode today is the the TV show Dollhouse right now, which got off to a very slow start. It is getting better with each episode, and they're taking their core concept of memory wiping and, and rebuilding much further than I initially thought they were going to go. Okay. And that is opening up a lot of different avenues of storytelling that I was not expecting. Okay. So you want them to get done with the book and say, wow, what now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and to, to leave, I think... Um, possibilities leave a lot of avenues open where you take an idea and you just take it as far as you can and everyone says wow that's fantastic i can't wait to read what he does with these other seven ideas that were okay so let's let's talk about that one of the things that um i bring up on this point often is that you want to fulfill on the promises you make in the first part of the book in other words if you are building a plot centered around one thing. Let's say you're building a plot centered around these two characters and their connection. Then the climactic ending is going to need to deal with that in some way, fulfilling promises. And this sounds obvious, but people make this mistake all the time. I think they make the mistake because they don't realize that they are making that promise. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's hard. When I sat down with. Uh, 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 Dan Willis and, and Bob Defendi mm-hmm. and had them help me outline the end of Longshoreman of the Apocalypse. Uh, I had them help me outline Act 3 and come right. up with a good ending. 
and they identified half a dozen promises that I'd made to the reader that I didn't know I was making. Right. And uh -huh. that's that's critical. And I, so I think one of the best ways to avoid a bad ending is to have somebody help you with that. Yeah. Don't let them write the end of your book. Don't tell them how to fulfill those promises. Yeah, just look for the promises. Look at Act 1 and Act um, 2 and find out what you've said you're going to do. Let's give some specifics here. I've got a friend who's a very good writer, um, and she has a lot of trouble with endings. Oh, she it's not us. It. Um, it's not either of you. Um, has <laughs> a lot of trouble sure? with... <laughs> uh, not going there. A lot of trouble with endings. Um, and looking at her current story that she, she had just finished, one of the big problems was she had set up a mystery. All right? She'd mm -hmm. set up a whodunit. Someone was killed in one of the early chapters, and all the other characters started working on who did it. But she didn't... She wasn't writing a mystery. At least she didn't think she was. And right. yet, right there, chapter four, I'm promised we're going to find out who killed this person. And in that case, what she's doing is she's setting up, oh, try and outthink me. The promise is I'm going to surprise you with an interesting resolution to who killed mm -hmm. who. And mm -hmm. so when she got to the end and they had been right all along, like they decided on someone pretty early and then worked on it and found out, lo and behold, it was them and chased them down and got them, there was a, just a feeling that something was unfulfilled here. Yeah. And it's because mm -hmm. it was, it, you, they'd made a promise, but, and she thought, oh, my promise is, well, the person, bad guy will get caught. That's not actually what the promise of a mystery plot is. Yeah. The promise of a mystery plot is, I'm going to surprise you with an interesting mystery. Mm -hmm. um, Unless you're expecting Yeah, one of the problems <laughs> also is, she's very good with character, and she was setting up this interesting character action, interaction, and she was able to pull off that promise very well. Characters had a very fulfilling ending, and yet it felt overshadowed by this other thing. And so for her, it's a rebalancing. It's a indicate yeah. to the readers this is a character drama and not a mystery. I was reading a Robert Reed book years ago. I don't remember the title of the book, um, and, but I'm going to tell you how it ends. Oh, great. Uh, they were, okay. They were, they were escorting. <laughs> Semi-spoiler warning. They, the, mm. the hero was written in first person, and the hero is escorting some, like, sentient tumbleweeds okay. up to their spawning grounds so they can become trees. Okay. And you're very fascinated with the challenges that these, mm -hmm. that this, this alien life has. And the, the, uh, the narrator, the first person, um, is also undergoing some character development. And the book ends... When he dies, okay, in like a dam breakage or a flood mm. or something up this stream, and I was pretty unsatisfied because mm. I thought I was going to get to see trees spawning. Mm. I thought he was going to resolve some of his issues. No, he resolves some of his issues by dying. dying. Okay, and while this had, <laughs> it, I mean, it had sort of a literary impact. This is not how I. I, it, I was not about to pick up another Robert okay. Reed book. Okay, um, did. Uh, well, I was just going to point out a completely different example, but if okay. you have a question, follow us up. No, go for it. Go for it. Um, another thing, another place where you can see this happening all the time is with the big action set piece. Okay. Where somebody says, I want to end, if it's a fantasy book, they want it to end with a great big battle or a mm -hmm. sword fight. If it's science fiction, they want a space battle. If it's modern, then they want a car chase or they want a gunfight. Mm -hmm. And those, that's a very fun, climactic way to end a book, but character usually gets lost when you do that yeah. unless you're very careful it's a fun climactic way to end a movie because it's yeah. visually quite a treat it's hard mm -hmm. to end you know a book it that way bugs me in movies too i call this the the third act hollywood wimp out um and i can point to several 
distinct examples, yeah. I Am Legend by Will Smith being one, mm -hmm. recently, where you have two very interesting setup acts where you're dealing with character psychological issues and with sort of the scientific plot or this interesting mystery plot, which third act becomes, now we're in a Hollywood action movie. We ha it feels like they, they feel they have to end with a big action set piece. It's, it's like... <laughs> it's like the Pinewood Derby. Yeah. We spend Act One and Act Two <laughs> building these neat cars and and positioning them on the track, and then for Act Three, we lift the lever and we watch all the cars See, run downhill in a straight line. If your plot were we're going to build cars, <laughs> and then I would expect Act Three to be that. If your first two acts are a psychological character drama, I don't want it, right. my Act mm -hmm. Three to be. And it's I, I call it the wimp out because it's safe. You'll see Hollywood do it a lot because pulling off a really dramatic, interesting ending that's going to be crowd-friendly when you're dealing with these sort of character things and stuff like that is difficult. It is. And one, so, yeah. One example that I would give of when they have done this correctly is the movie Gross Point Blank, which I thought okay. ended with a gunfight, mm -hmm. but throughout the entire gunfight, they were also paying off all of this character stuff they've yeah. been building up. I thought yeah. they did a really good job yeah. of intertwining those two yeah. different aspects. All right, we're going to cut for a commercial break, and then we'll come back. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by my book, The Hero of Ages in paperback, out April 28th. Yay. Yay. I loved it. Oh, thank you, Howard. But you haven't read it in paperback. No, you haven't. No. It's, it's even more... <laughs> Um, Hero Flexible. of Ages, horrific in paperback. You know, I like the hardback. People okay. should buy the hardback. Oh, yeah. I make a lot more on the hardback. <laughs> do, do, and do, welcome do. back. <laughs> welcome back. Um, all right. Let's go a different direction with this. Um, actually, kind of a direction we've talked a little bit about before. But do you need to resolve everything at an ending? Um, not if you want to write another book. Okay. How do you do that then? By paying off your promises and yet leaving room open for another book. Because I think this is a big problem. People end books poorly this way all the time. I, it, boy, I think the easiest way to do it is to start hinting at promises to the reader in Act 2 and Act 3 with the understanding right. that, wow, this was introduced kind of late. We're not going to get to finish that, are we? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's I think one readers very good understand. Way. I re readers understand that. You know, the, the mystery idea that you brought up earlier, mysteries and thrillers and crime novels, um, you, can, you, you just have to be careful about how you set your promise. Because if the promise is, we are going to solve this mystery by the end of the book, that's fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the main character's personal problems are going to be solved. Yeah. Or that this mystery won't be part of a much larger mystery or a much larger well, conspiracy. That's the one that would be my biggest piece of advice is if you're trying to write a series is you promise something happening and you give them, you fulfill on that promise in ways that exceed their expectations. Mm -hmm. But that fulfillment opens up a whole lot more. Um, that says, You say, wow, this creates an even bigger problem or mm -hmm. this I didn't realize was bigger, was part of a larger problem. Um, I like to do this in my series. Um, this is what I tried to do in the Mistborn books. Is I wanted to do something in the first book that involved the overthrow of an empire. I wanted to do that in one book rather than a whole mm -hmm. series. I made a promise, I fulfilled it, and my goal is at the end for you to say, wow, this is a big problem now that they've done what they said they were going right. to do. 
Mm -hmm. right. Well, and I, I'm just reading now for the first time, mm -hmm. well, having read to me, uh, courtesy of uh, audiobooks, uh, The Wheel of Time right. Saga. Um, the first book, I, I know that this series is long. Mm -hmm. It's really long. Um, and so listening to the first book, I remember thinking, okay, there are promises that are going to be made here that are absolutely not going to be fulfilled for seven or eight books, and I'm just ready to be bored. And that is absolutely not what happened in that first book. Mm -hmm. That first book, I was promised a, a classic quest story. Yep. You know, they set that up outside the tavern. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very, and understand, back then it wasn't a trope. Yeah. Nowadays, I look at it and think, oh, it's a trope, but uh, it's, right. I still like it. Mm -hmm. It worked It worked wonderfully. Um, the, the promise of, you know, the rebirth of the dragon, the promise of, you know, the hero beating the Dark Lord. And I thought, well, there's no way they can do all that in this book because the series is 12 books long. Yes. And that's my, that's my inner... <coughs> 14. That, <coughs> 14 <laughs> books long. <coughs> right. Um, me. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and, and, but I get to the end of that book and I thought, you know, that was really brilliantly done. The promises that weren't fulfilled were promises that were introduced kind of late in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Rand um, coming to grips with the fact that he is the dragon. The reader knows, yeah, right. that's, he's got it, that's it, mm -hmm. he's got to be it. Um, but, the, but the character hasn't come to grips with that and so it left something for subsequent books yeah. to work on. Okay. Um, let's just throw out some smaller ones. Um, ways that I've seen people, new art writers, run into trouble finishing a book. So let's say, How Not to Do This, Dan. How did you finish your first book? I finished it with uh, pretty much what I already talked about with thrillers. No, no, no. The, the one mystery was no, no, ended. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, the very first very book first that book. I ever wrote? Very first oh, book. Dear. Oh, no. very first book. Not oh, okay. Yeah. How did you end your very first book? I did not. You said, And They All Died. Yes. I re distinctly remember you typing, mm -hmm. and they all died. They it, all died. Yes. Because I had gotten as far as I wanted. Okay. I was How bored. can our readers <laughs> avoid running into that problem? Can um, they avoid it? My problem in that series was that I was biting off way more than I could chew, which is a very common problem okay. among first authors. Okay. Um, if you plan a story that is too big and has 38 characters because you want to write The Wheel of Time, you know, you need to write a few smaller books with smaller plots first so yeah. that you know what you're doing before you get into something huge. Even The Wheel of Time only <laughs> started a, with a couple of viewpoints. Run a 10K before trying to run a marathon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, is, this can't be emphasized enough, I think. If, you're gonna, if you end up with a terrible ending, it's generally going to be because of things that started going wrong much earlier. Now, maybe you'll run into a terrible ending because you're a multi-drafter, you're a discovery writer, you don't know where you're going, and you get to the ending, and then you write, and then they all died, mm -hmm. and then you sit out and you plot actually what you want to happen. That may be, may be the way for you to do it, but yeah. In order to not write a bad ending, sometimes you have to write a bad ending okay. and then rewrite another bad ending, uh -huh. and then rewrite yet a third bad ending, and then sit down with somebody and say, what am I doing wrong? Okay. And they will help you identify, well, there's this promise right here mm -hmm. that you keep not fulfilling, yeah. or you keep killing everybody off because you got <laughs> bored, yeah. uh, or whatever. Um, but you, I think you have to write some bad endings okay. before you write the one that you want to keep. Well, my, uh, my early bad endings happened because of foreshadowing laziness. Laziness and foreshadowing, meaning the ending itself would have been great, if it would have had all the things it needed to back it up. 
which meant that if I would have spent a little bit more time, even some of my published books, I still feel have, have part of this issue at the ending, but would have spent a little bit more time setting the stage, um, giving, putting the pieces well, into the book. you can do that with a rewrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah you if you do, know that that's missing. But see, you got to remember that I hated rewriting early on, <laughs> and this is why I had trouble getting published mm -hmm. early on, is I would not rewrite my books because I always wanted to be moving so on. So how to not write a bad ending rewrite the book to until fit the you, end yeah, yeah until you yeah. pr appropriately foreshadow yeah. the ending you want yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah both of these examples that we brought up it's interesting to point out brandon used to hate rewriting he has since learned that that's a very important part yes. of and writing now he loves it i he adores be, it oh yeah he's such to be a horrible <laughs> at endings and after writing terrible endings and rewriting them about a hundred times i think i'm fairly good at them now because it's something i had to force myself to work on and so, i never wrote books <laughs> for the first, no, seriously, for the first three years I was working on Schlock Mercenary, I didn't write books. I wrote, you know, little storylines that didn't really fit in books. And once I started thinking in terms of books, I, I did it wrong so many times. I think uh, I might have two or three good endings. Wrong? Is that we can all go read? You can read <laughs> all Dan of and my I can mistakes. Ours in the in the backyard, and no one has to see them. <laughs> oh, all right, and that's how yeah, not to. That, you know bodies. what? That is how not to write an ending. Don't write an ending that has to be published and kept public for everybody to read, <laughs> even though it sucks. Is that a good note to end on? Yeah, this has been writing excuses. Um, writing prompt. Write an ending in which everybody dies and it works. Okay. Start it with an end. Start your book with an ending where everyone dies. This has been Writing Excuses. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.